morning, everybody. We are gathered here today for another episode of Coffee with Friends, where we're going to discuss stereotyping, both within and without religious groups, and how that affects the way that we look at the world. I am joined by three other people. Slu, who was here last month for a conversation about stereotyping, and is from an independent fundamentalist Baptist church, and Ryan, who is an XJW, and Evan, I can't remember what religious group Evan was. Evan will have to tell us later. Just a disclaimer before we begin this live stream, may discuss trauma of all sorts to include all types of abuse. Viewers and listeners may find it unsettling and triggering. The guests on our live streams reflect a diverse set of values, morals, and ethics that may not reflect the morals, values, and ethics of the misfit Amish. If this live stream causes you distress, please seek support from your trusted folks and qualified mental health professionals as needed and cease listening until you are ready to hear again. With that being said, thank you to our patrons and to the Misfit Amish for supporting these live streams. Say good morning to Slu. Morning. Know yourselves. Ryan and Evan. If each of you would like to give a brief introduction of yourself, starting with Slu. Oh boy. Um, So... I don't know how brief. Uh, <laughs> thirty seconds. I've been on here before. You get thirty just, seconds. Okay. Starting now. In, independent fundamentalist Baptist and I, I don't know. There's I don't know. I'm a Satanist now. There's a lot of things in between. Ask me questions, I guess. Other than that, <laughs> go, there you go. Next person. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, Ryan. Waking up. <laughs> I'm actually still waking up myself, and I mean from my religious indoctrination. I am Ryan, a former Jehovah's Witness, and yes, I'm kind of feeling my way blindly through this world, realizing that everything that was fed to me as a kid is not what it seems. So um, yeah, you get to watch me on my journey uh, from misled to now trying to maybe help others get unmisled with me. Yeah, that's me. I mean, yeah, that sounds wonderful. How about you, Evan? Um, I'm Evan Jones. I am a survivor of the independent fundamentalist movement. Um, I have been out for 11 years now. I am the executive director of the Vashti Initiative, which is an organization that seeks to help people who are processing Mm -hmm. spiritual trauma and religious abuse. And... I am all just very excited to be here. Um, I love working with Mary and everything that they do. Thank you, Robin. So with that being said, so last month we kind of left off on like we were discussing, Slu and I really discussed like um, some of the stereotyping that we held within our religious perspective, religious groups. So I wanted to hear from more people like, like, did y'all have stereotypes inside of like the Jehovah's Witnesses or did you experience stereotypes, Evan, in the independent mm. fundamentalist movement? Like, are there any that come to mind? Of those outside of our group? No, when you were in the group and you were participating and you were a believer, were there things that you stereotype people 
either like people within the group because typically like we have the belief of like to be born Amish is a privilege right and so like to be of the world we just well we just don't know we just don't know you know, like it's the worldly people, they're all out there, they're drinking, smoking, you know, right. drugs and, and alcohol, like they're, they're just so worldly, like we just don't know. There's lots of that in the JW, for certain, like the JWs themselves, I think that even y'all, you know, maybe if you didn't have the indoctrination you did, you would look at the Jehovah's Witnesses and think like, oh, they're meek, they're mild mannered, they pay attention to all the laws of society. Um, when they go into places, they leave it looking better than how it was even found. They are just the perfection, um, again, loving kind. They just want to share their message of uh, eternity with the world because that's how much they care about you. And hey, that sounds great. Like those kind of stereotypes, like they sound great on the surface, but inside it kind of removes who you are as a person like you don't get to be your true self because you're trying to live up to these standards of this perfect jw stereotype it's really harmful quite frankly it Sounds really is good but it's it's actually horrible to live that life <laughs> would you say that it creates bias absolutely absolutely because if uh, say if I'm in a group of friends and I'm the only one who's more of myself, maybe I dress more colorfully, I have brighter lips, whatever it might be. If I'm breaking those stereotypical standards, I'm marked. I'm seen as different. I might even be seen as bad association because I could be closer to the worldly. Like we use that word also, worldly. I could be more um, <laughs> worldly people because of my demeanor. <laughs> well H horrible well and did you have like um different like for example so like there's like certain types of amish people that that we would look at them and we would say they're so worldly was this in it really ditch and and what we would say is they're not really amish oh i mean we would just judge people by like the way they dress i mean you're constantly judging people as much as you pretend that you don't judge people because you're supposed to see all people as equal lies that is that is a lie wow. you're always constantly judging people determining if they're good association because everything you do can be seen as something that you can now get well, marked for you could be blood guilty for judge, doing judge the sin not the sinner right yeah right yeah you <laughs> wish that that's hmm, it, and that's such a bad statement like <sighs> saying too right uh, uh it's always in it's always interesting to me. I mean, these terms, worldly is a term that I hear consistently across different groups. I hear it in those who are from Hasidic Jewish backgrounds. I hear it from people from fundamentalists, JW. And there is always that term, that fear of the outside creating a, that us versus them mentality. But I think yeah. there's also creates an unconscious bias within ourselves about ourselves. Because even if you know that you even if you have the courage to be yourself in that environment, there's still a self-hatred, I think, a lot of times that comes along with it because of that unconscious bias being conditioned. Yeah. If you act this way, do these things, you're this person. And it's hard to get rid of that stigma. I used to what do about that to myself all the time, judge myself to other people. Why can't mm -hmm. I just be happy with being more plain? Why can't I be happy with not um, talking to kids <laughs> at school? Cat attack. <laughs> 
Oh, the cat man. has something we to gotta, say. The cat will the not cat, be The cat has something to weigh in on. I hear this. <laughs> yeah. You judge me because of my fur. Okay. Right. This is just it's not right. It's fur. I, we just I can't like, do this. I feel like that's kind of what that re the, these religions do though they kind of set up a hierarchy system to judge things off of and try mm. to set some kind of impossible bar for yourself that you never are able to achieve a lot like narcissists do for people <laughs> but um yeah well, i mean i've said it frequently privately i don't know if i've said it publicly but i do feel like in many ways the church employs the narcissist tendencies mm-hmm Regardless. There's a, yeah, there's a good, um, like a good YouTube channel called Theremin Trees that goes into a whole series on narcissistic, like the narcissistic god of the Abrahamic religion and how those things I pertain to them. that. And yeah, yeah and but like what really struck me as odd too was like I was working through things with a narcissistic parent my mental health and everything i was working through things with that and at the same time i was working through religious trauma and it's like these two things are related like there's no there's like no doubt about it whenever it comes down to the things that help you to come out of those and the the thing the effects that they have on you and everything and even some of the tactics implemented and everything it's very similar mm -hmm. from my experience I agree. So, I I would agree with that. Yeah. I think that also another thing is is like when we think about uh, our um, experiences, and I don't know if y'all had the concept of original sin, but if you had the concept of original sin, that also leads to that self judgment and that self hatred, and mm -hmm. when you are in a place where you experience um, abusive behaviors and have exp abusive experiences, it, it automatically lends to and contributes to creating a shame-based response to that abuse. And when that happens, it makes it very difficult for somebody to be able to feel like you are a healthy, happy, and whole person. Mm. Wow. Especially when you start implementing ideology about everything happening for a reason and it being part of God's plan and mm. all of that. Right. You add the spiritual bypassing and the spiritual disillusion and then it just amps, it kind of amps everything right. up to the 15th degree because now it's your spirituality and you're blocking someone from access the, you know, the greater divine. Like that's a fucking... Yep. So one of our listeners says, I think the mainstream church nurtures and creates narcissists. It's a place to grow wolves. It's very they model centric. themselves after it. I mean, they, they present yeah. a narcissistic God that everything revolves around them. Literally, mm -hmm. that's the whole thing. And there's blood rituals, blood sacrifices having to be made for this bloodthirsty God. Mm -hmm. And they're yeah. implementing all of these rules that constantly change because it's not even though they say that they made this perfect thing, then they say, well, we don't like, I don't like that anymore. So I'm going to make rules and I'm going to do this and that to, and it, it's all to just manipulate somebody. So the mental then go farther into the, the book and it says to model yourself after the God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean that, or these great me, men that, that God chose. That mm -hmm. explains right? a lot that we see with all of that, you know?
Yeah, it's a it's very sadistic. I mean, when we read, it, especially when it, the way that it's been interpreted, the Bible's been interpreted and used, and I, it doesn't whether a person uses the Bible or not. I think people can use the Bible and they can find good things in there if that's a, if that's what they choose. Um, but I just think the way that the Bible has been interpreted, really going back through to the Catholic Church in the early years, as the Catholic Church started to get control in places like Europe. And ever since then, it goes right in with that that hierarchy, with the same way that people had their kings and their rulers, they had to establish that hierarchy in order to establish control. And we see it in mm-hmm. churches and groups all across the world today. So I, mean, I think Paul really implemented that into the. Mm-hmm. I mean, his manipulation of the New Testament. Don't get me started on Paul. Oh, oh, we we're were not like, that. Yeah. Yeah. We will <laughs> have a whole other Christianity. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> But let me just uh, let me just point ball. this out for those who may not understand this. So part of what happens and what I see happening and what I've both seen and experienced happening is that people take this book and they base themselves, they're supposed to model themselves off of this deity that is in fact operating as what appears to be a narcissist and then they stereotype that as good so when normalize that yeah yeah exactly so when you're within those groups and this is considered good and you're being told this is good and that happens to you and it harms you how do you respond oof you probably take the Whatever the situation is, you probably take the blame on yourself. Whatever happened, it's your fault. You must have mm-hmm. caused it. You brought it upon yourself. At least that's, hey, Kevin, at least that's hey. for me generally what happened. Like, I would just see it as like, damn, I'm just a freaking mm-hmm. F up. You well, either become the abused or the abuser. It's That's all that's yeah. forced in that situation. You have to choose one of those two roles. Mm-hmm. Okay. I so, feel like my responses were normally whatever I learned from the trauma and shit that that like came from that to begin with. It it like it, those feelings to begin with. Like, yep. Yep. So those might even be childish responses of mm-hmm. lashing out or whatever, or, or well, it, but not childish in that sense. But you know what I mean. Like so. One of the things that happens, and I think what you're referring to, Slu, is like when we have trauma responses to things, what happens is we are reliving traumatic events, whether we cognitively recognize it or not. Secondly, the responses that we give may be based or indicated by the age that we were when that trauma was originally happening. So it's not necessarily... Emotionally stunted... Yeah, that are childlike in that that way because yeah. you never really grew in that that aspect mm-hmm. of things because you, you never got taught anything. To, yeah, we don't anything better we don't have it. a we don't have a platform from within which to respond no. in a different way. Like even self soothing mm-hmm. and shit, you mm-hmm. don't learn to do. Yeah, any you don't of that. get that. It's no, no. You don't even get hobbies like in. I'm sure even in your situations like mary i just guarantee you probably had no time for hobbies or to do anything <laughs> personal okay okay no am i wrong no. or stereotyping oh, and that, is a, that yeah. is a stereotype that is a stereotype 
Okay. For us, we didn't have time. It was not allowed. You don't have time. Everything okay. should be about dedicating I feel like your life I... to your work, your God mm -hmm. or whatever. So, so everything should be dedicated to your work and you should be being productive. But I did, in fact, in, in my book, I write about this and I share a drawing that I drew when I was like awesome. really young because one of my uncles taught me how to draw some, some things like a bird on a log. And I did that. Um, Yes, like by and large, we were uh, our value is productivity based. So, like other things that I did that were really um, soothing was like crocheting or like um, I did embroidery stitching. I embroidered a what? full set of 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 pillowcases okay. as a teenager. Like, like I had some creative outlet, but not really. Well, were you allowed to yeah. do those things for yourself or did those have to be a specific way for a specific, you um, know, I was allowed to glorify to put a deity whatever, or something? I was allowed to put whatever I too. wanted on that, but it just had to be within the parameters that were set by the rules. Right. See, that's interesting because, so I was, the only thing I was allowed to do, so I, and I'm open with this and I've been on your podcast before, so I'm, I'm a transgender person, so I was assigned a different sex at birth. And I, because of that, because of my gender assigned gender, I was only allowed to do certain things. I was allowed to crochet mm. and knit. I was very horrible right. at it, but that was all I was allowed to do. <laughs> and so if I could have had my choice for hobbies, they would have been very different. I would have mm -hmm. done some more what I would consider masculine or, or not even masculine. I would have played sports. I wasn't allowed to play sports because my gender role in our group I wasn't allowed to play sports so I think it's interesting with hobbies like there were things that I did find that were self-soothing but today when I try to do them they're not they're no longer soothing for me because they were mm -hmm. only things I was allowed to do so I think that's interesting mm -hmm. because of the amount oh, of control dang. that was stereotyped double-edged sword good. and yeah. now that you're recognizing that amount of control and the mind control that comes with it it no longer feels soothing Isn't Exactly. Isn't that the weird thing, too? Like, whenever you hear these people that are still in religion, maybe the religion that you were in, talking about how good this religion makes them feel and everything, it's like, yeah, that that did that for me, too, then, but not now. Like, yeah. there's this weird disconnect yeah. there that it's hard to even explain. I never to even, like, y'all are in... making me think about stuff I hadn't thought about for so long. I'm like, wow, well, these... Like because, I used to self self sue, like because you know we're talking about coping mechanisms, and you don't, mm -hmm. you know, maybe you get a coping mechanism, but it's within these parameters, and it has to be da 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 da, da you know, following all these guidelines or these rules, and right. can't take too much it's time. Always... But like I used to dance, I used to dance and make my own choreographed. Like I'm not a dancer, but I just it just I had a lot of energy, and it was a great way to get it all out. And I watch like the TikTok dances, and I'm like, I would love that. Like where is she? Where is the girl? who would self-soothe and do these dances like to enjoy her. Like, I don't know. Like you guys are mm. making me think about stuff. Sorry. I was just like, mm, wow. Well, and, and well, furthermore, like in regards to that. So for a very long time, I didn't sew and I didn't crochet, but it came around. Like I've been okay. out for those who don't know, I've been out for 19 years. And so for a very long time, I didn't. sew, I didn't crochet. I didn't do any of that. But part of what, what happened to me is that in my journey, I started exploring other create creative outlets. And when I started exploring other creative outlets, it was like, okay, you know what? 
I, I'm, I want to sew. I want to sew my child clothes. And that's how it kind of started is like I started designing clothing for my child that were sensory friendly to my child, that were comfortable for them. And because of that, like I started like really understanding that, yes, there's this element of control that automatically makes me not want to. And sometimes I go periods where it's really difficult to do it and then I don't do it. But I do in phases still sew. And what I do is I actually sew things that I want to sew. I get to pick things to sew that I love. Mm -hmm. Things that don't cause me distress. Things that are, in fact, like being even more creative than just your basic whatever it was within the parameters. And the same way with crocheting. I mean, I I feel like I did that, like I with guitar and stuff. Yeah, I went in and out of these phases too. It was like I'd 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 feel like all I wanted to listen to was gospel music for a while, which makes me just kind of (laughs) repulsed now. Um, But yeah, I used to have a small little like I had a liking, but then once I like came out like really realize mm-hmm. i was like oh damn yeah. like that's yeah like i want to love it because i like I the like you know everything... it's specifically made to pick you up like they have mm-hmm. those chords and that shit i feel that like does everything you, then <laughs> was just so so restrictive like you couldn't go outside of that box of things right because mm-hmm. that was that was the worldly thing like we were talking about earlier mm-hmm. it was uh you're to be in the world not of the world is how my <laughs> church would put it yeah and tell um, me how that makes sense. Please, please tell yeah. me how you live in a world, but you're not like, stop. Right. No, I'm not saying it to you, but like now that I'm so, older, I'm like, so who the fuck are these people? Like, what are right. they doing to us? Here's another question that I have about that. So if you're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world, which we also held that belief, but if you're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. Okay. So how do you make connections with people that are of the world when all you think about them is that they do these things that you have labeled as so bad and you don't know, but they're probably going to hell? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't. Or if you do, it's very content- like contentious. Like I... Like in school, every day I would do this, like putting on a new personality, like go to school and do the witness thing. And, you know, if I, if you really care about your friends, you're going to tell them about the good news. Like that's, that's <laughs> when you really love somebody when you witness to them and you try to bring them into the truth. You know, so I would do Can that. I- like, I'd like, if I really love them, I'd be witnessing. Oh my God, I must not love them. What's wrong with this? Brian, sorry, y'all. I'm going to need you to record that voice and send it to the person who keeps sending me letters about the good news. Oh, sure. Absolutely. You let me know. I got you. I I got the voices. I got got plenty of voices. Oh, man. I mean, like, all of that goes back to that stereotyping. Like, we were trying to save the world based on our stereotypes of the world, and we reacted to people based on that, too. And that savior mentality is so hard to break. I think part of that is, you know, being white in America. And part of it's being, if you're part of any kind of Christian group in America, you're going to have that savior mentality. But especially in these environments where it was us versus them and all of, and this set apart society, you very much buy into that idea of that savior. Uh, I have the, the good news. 
and everyone else needs it. So can I comment on that? I, I, what I want to, if you don't mind, and I think part of that too is like that whole savior personality thing. And I don't know because I'm again, just somebody waking up, but I feel like for me, and I don't know, but part of that altruistic nature is maybe part of like a neurodivergence where I feel like I constantly have to fix things or even out things. Mm. And, and I think I, that sometimes those religions play into that for people. See, they make them feel like they're doing something good when you're. But oh, this yeah. is where I I relate to this. I feel like this is the the narcissist and the the caretaker. Like that's mm. the caretaker thing that you've been groomed to do through your religion. Yeah. Or, see, and I don't know how to separate. And what's the like? How do I know the difference? How do I know I'm not being all too all the like, too? I'm going too far. I got to protect them. Like it's not my because job. Because you're like, going I, if you're so going hard. beyond yourself to the point to where you're it's affecting your mental state and your well being mm -hmm. and everything. Then you're doing too much. You're you're not taking care much, of yourself Ryan. first. You need to take care of yourself first, and then. You're able to help other people, but yeah, and that's a hard thing to learn whenever you've been indoctrinated into that mindset that you put everyone else first and yourself last. Okay, thank Sorry. you for that. <laughs> thank no, you. Thank all you. Of this you. is no, all of you made wonderful points. Now, I'm going to say this as somebody who in 2004 spoke publicly about the abuse I experienced in my Amish community and the way that people responded. And the way that people still do respond is, quite frankly, often tied to that savior complex. It's this idea, this stereotyping, this mentality of like, well, you just you just need healing or, you know, well, I'm going to save you. And then when they realize that that I have like complex PTSD that doesn't just go away. No. Then it's like, well, you're you're just not a faithful believer or whatever. I mean, you know, whatever, whatever. But my point in bringing that out is like, thank you for for bringing up the whole like savior complex thing because what I see frequently happening is that people want to help other people, but because of the fact that we've experienced so much stereotyping and our actions are garnered by so much bias, inadvertently many people end up creating more harm to already traumatized survivors yeah. of, of abuse. And what they do is they, rather than empowering survivors of abuse, what they do is they tell them what to do. They tell them where to go. They tell them how to raise their kids. Like I had people literally telling me, you have to spank your kid. And I did spank my kid. And I deeply, deeply regret it. And knowing everything that I know now today, I would never spank my kid. But I had people sitting me down, preaching to me for over an hour. And no, these weren't even Christians. Telling me about how my kid is out of control. And the only thing that's wrong with my kid is that I am not spanking them enough. Oh, boy. So that's when deep, we right? start talking about stereotyping and bias and harm being caused by it part of that is that mm -hmm. part right. of that is people who sit there and they say i'm gonna rescue these people who have right. experienced tower. abuse right i'm gonna rescue these people and what i've personally experienced is that people try to rescue me they tell me what to do they tell me where to go they tell me how to live my life and they judge 
every single thing that I do, every word that comes out of my mouth is judged. Yep. And it's constantly just not quite enough. Does it, so, does it seem like, too, the more that you share about these things, too, the more stereotypes and shit get thrown in because then they think they know you or something? Like, oh, yeah. That weird people, thing. Like People <laughs> people think they know me because they saw Sins of the Amish or people think they yeah. know me because they read my book. You don't know mm -hmm. me. You know yeah. what I choose to tell you. Know you know a brief. And it's yeah, also you know those social, those parasocial, like, connections that people do like to somebody like yourself or even i'm not sure what you all do all the time like on camera but you tell your story and people start to think that they they know you right they probably have this idea of that they've built in their head um but yeah there's so much more that we don't get to put out there on camera about I mean, and well and 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 like here's the thing is being born Amish and what I experienced as an Amish person and, and deconstructing from Amish indoctrination and all of that, that is one part of me. That is one part of me. That is not, not one dimensional. I am know? multidimensional. Right. I am not right. just one dimensional. And an Amish on a monolith. That, and when you do that to survivors of abuse, you are literally saying they are not more than their abuse. So mm. I can it's be. A good point. The way I see it, I can be sympathetic towards you because I've went through similar things, right? And I can have empathy towards you because right. I haven't went through the same things that you've right. went through. And, right. you know, but like, I think it's, it's that combination of things rather than this thing. I feel like there's no empathy behind stereotypes. Like it's, it's bypassing Ooh. that you are never even thinking about the person themselves or what they've went through or what it dehumanizes what, people. what if what what if you were in these shoes what if it doesn't put you in it yeah it but definitely dehumanizes people it does dehumanize people i i i mean and one of our listeners says we need to learn to set and enforce boundaries in our society and i think that's, that's a good true point. and i think that goes right back to that savior complex when you are are operating in a role where where vulnerable people come to you how do you best support them and i'm telling you right now that when you empower people and when you give people access to resources and support that is how you best support them hmm. when you give people the ability to make decisions for themselves even to the point of where they make decisions that you wouldn't make because here's the thing you are not the same people and you are not in control of those people you need to empower them i mean and evan is that true like when it comes to you 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 run an organization so let's hear from evan no i i agree with you no um absolutely i I think in general, I mean, there's stereotypes about spiritual trauma and what that means. And I, I don't know how many times I have to hear someone be like, oh, you got your feelings hurt at church? Like, that's it. Uh, you know, so dismissive. And so, um, yeah, it, the only way to combat that is through empowering people. And we empower people by teaching them how to make decisions for themselves, how to think for themselves. You know, we can't come in with set ideas and guidelines of how they should react or be because that's mm. exactly what they came from. And everybody responds to trauma differently. 
Yeah. Exactly. We dehumanized the them. We dehumanized them. Yeah, there's so, there's entire layers to this. And so it goes back to stereotyping, bias, which creates inherent discrimination, which creates harm. Mm-hmm. I have a, a weird one that I'm kind of still processing right now because I had this happen from a friend recently. I didn't ever really look at this as stereotyping before, but now it's kind of like looking that way to me now. Um, but like my, so because I came from an evangelical church and stuff, he kind of tied this thing of my protesting of the church and religion. He's tying that together as like proselytizing, like while <laughs> I, like I did while I was still in the church. And it hit me like I couldn't figure out why this was like it triggered me for a minute and like I couldn't figure out what the fuck is going on in my head right now. Why is this so offensive to me? And I started breaking it down. It's like this is putting like abusive ideology that leads to trauma on the same scale as speaking out against like abuse and, and being in an activist type setting. Would and that is just so fucked up. Like, would you, would you, but it's been normalized into society to fucking think that way. And would yeah. you say that that felt a little bit gaslighty? It did. And I had to stop my, cause this is my friend. And I know he didn't mean anything by it. I've known him forever and I know he didn't initially, like, but at the same time, it's like, wow, like this is where we're at. Yeah. Society tends to think. And, and here's another thing that society tends to think is that, you know, there's a stereotype, right? In general, have you heard of the stereotype of Satanists sacrificing babies? Uh, well, yeah, they, I, that's just truth. Sorry. Excuse me. I just have to say we know that that's. What I mean, but I got a letter. That <laughs> so same, it must be well, true. That same stereotype <laughs> has been used for like. Jews and stuff too, like that's Ooh, an anti-Semitic yes, thing as well, and that it really which is. is. It's so funny that like how any Christian can like try to distance themselves from anti-Semitism whenever that's their whole religion based off of that. That they're it, they are the sect of Judaism that rejected the other sects. Like, how do you yeah. ever distance yourself from that when your whole religion's based off of it? <laughs> and you're all yeah. Jewish apostates. Oops, yeah. my bad. Did, did I go there? Oh, she went there. But it's, that's a really good, that's a very good point. Most of the um, horrible, like, new age spiritism stuff stems from, like, some kind of anti-Semitic talking point. And I, like, this is all news to me within the past, like, year. Like, I had no, I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea. It's wild. There were little anti-Semitic and, and um, like, racist things and stuff spread through our church like that I didn't realize until later on was like propaganda like there's just certain yeah, phrases propaganda. and things that fit with different groups like that and yeah mm -hmm. yep. it's creepy propaganda how much is, a good, is a good way to is a very good way to put it it's a stereotype stereotypical propaganda i think and we're trained we're, we're trained monkeys to believe a certain way anyway i think some of our listeners may not quite understand what um anti-semitic is oh. would one of you care to explain that um i mean it's 
I don't remember exactly how the term came about, but I believe it was a white guy. And it's really even kind of an anti-Semitic <laughs> description, I, I even think, if I remember it right. But it's against Jewish people specifically. And I used to think it was against like all Semitic people, but it's actually specifically against, uh, not against, but it's about the hatred and prejudice of yeah. um, Jewish people. Specific. There's always kind of been that thing within the sects and everything, but the like World War II brought up a bunch of the anti-Semitism and everything because, you mm -hmm. know, Hitler was, uh, you know, using Jews as slaves and, and putting them into concentration camps and stuff and horrible shit was going on. Um, but yeah, that's that shit influenced thing that was actually based off of the United States form of slavery and stuff. Hitler got his yeah. ideas from us. So gross. Yeah. You like, you really, people need to look into their history more than what they do. Yeah. So I'd encourage you, if you don't understand what anti-Semitic means to go actually look it up and find out what it is and what the actual definition is. I mean, and fascism and stuff. If you look into yeah. that, there's uh, Jason Stanley, I believe, is the name of a, a, one of the... There's a professional in that particular study and everything that gives good seminars on on that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. But going back to, like, um, religious stereotyping, like, with with that being said... So one of the things that Sue had shared last month was that inside of his church, they held a very specific view of Amish people, like towards other groups, like other groups were more favorable or like less favorable, like in each, like in, in the churches that we were in. Did you guys have that? Like where some other groups were more favorable than others were? I mean, we we did definitely any person who had Christian roots was more favorable than those who weren't. You know, a person who was Muslim or even a person who was Jewish was going to immediately rolled out. But those that might follow the Bible, um, we actually took our idea for what we called soul winning from uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses, which is where going you're going out witnessing or visiting. Um, uh, so we we thought that the you know we thought the Jehovah's Witness were good, but they were just misinformed. And we the same thing with the Amish. We thought the Amish are well intentioned, but they don't have the truth. Whereas yeah. um, again, like someone who is Muslim was just they were an infidel. They were against God. So there was also a hierarchy. We didn't believe that someone who is Amish or JW. I don't know if it's just appropriate to say JW, Jehovah's Witness was, fine. we thought they, they might could find the truth. They might could get to heaven, but probably weren't, but they were at least in a better place than some of the other groups. We, so, I think we kind rating? of had a similar thing, but. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. So, so what I'm hearing is that y'all rated each group on the likelihood of going to heaven or hell. I wouldn't say it wasn't like a formal rating, but if we talk, but it's an idea, right? It's an idea. I feel like they, I feel like they should have a website, like review, like each one, each denomination, just have their own website reviewing the other ones. On a scale of one to five, how likely are you to die in Armageddon? Yeah, exactly. Most likely to die. Of course, that was all counted out if you were queer or LGBTQ. Oh, so hell yeah. You could be, if you thought what? you were a gay you weren't allowed to do that. Yeah. 
So, I mean, okay. Yeah, I think the website would be a great idea. We should have a website. I, I really feel like that would be a wonderful way of like seeing some of these loosely held and enforced beliefs and stereotypes that that we don't really see. Like we can discuss the underlying theology until we're blue in the face. But um, I mean, like talking about the effects of that and the stereotyping and how that affects how we look at the world around us and how that affects our ability to make connections and build connections that mean something with us, like with other people, like, like the website would be really helpful. It's just a thought. There's probably something out there we can just. We should should Google it when we get done here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have a question. Denomination. If you guys don't mind. What do you think about like denominate? Uh, let's do it. Let's just rank every denomination. denomination one to five <laughs> on a scale of hell to uh, happily ever afterlife. Which <laughs> oh my, we can call it the I... denomination domination championships. We can like have a whole. We can have a contest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, like a religious pissing contest. I think that sounds. <laughs> already happening like we'd just be putting it on the internet so it's accessible right Right. but anyways you have a question sorry I was just curious what you all thought about because you know stereotypes again this is these ideas are all kind of new to me to kind of flesh out and realize like where I stand with things but how do you feel about because I was thinking about it this morning good stereotypes what people would say are a good stereotype because i even think that good stereotypes can be harmful now that i was like thinking Ah, about it i actually purchased a book last week it's called building with dust and ashes it's written by an ex-mennonite teenager who held a stereotype of amish men are good she was preyed upon by an amish man she was preyed upon violently violently abused by an amish man which, for the record, he's in prison now for uh, ex-Amish man. But because of that stereotype, she thought he was going to be safe for her. Right, exactly. And he writes about it in the book. But that brings up a good I've... point. Like, women inside of, like, like, let's just say specifically Jehovah's Witnesses, because it is what I'm familiar with. You would just assume every single Jehovah's Witness who... um participates at the meeting who goes out on field service who might have privileges inside of the kingdom hall like there's all these certain things that will tell you oh this is a good man like you don't know nothing about him personally you you might have went on one date but because of a b c and d he's a good guy you're good to go it doesn't matter about anything else he's going to treat you good because he's a witness well, and, I feel like that's rah. the difference between like these the the mindset that they're in that they think uh religion rules morals like that there's no moral values outside of their religion that their book is based around these morals and that's the only thing that matters like it's such a a narrow-minded uh thing and then it allows for all of this nasty shit we were talking about earlier with a bloodthirsty god and all of this that they're supposed to be modeling themselves after is that really moral like if they Mm -hmm. if they took it out of the context of religion if it was in just a plain context of any anything else in life 
and you had somebody just, you know, asking to murder people for you or to, you know, uh, I don't know, like so many horrible stories. Right. And it's like, how does that reflect any kind of morals that we'd have today? And But you're saying that that's what we should that's what we should be basing them off of. Right. I mean, you nailed it. So it's it's equating religion to morality. And that's exactly why we can't get funding for this kind of work and we can't get help for survive. I mean, look at other groups. We've made so much progress in our services for survivors of domestic violence, sexual assault and these groups and people don't equate spiritual and religious abuse, even though we see people who have their finances drained. We see people who are physically beaten and abused. We see rampant sexual assault. We see educational neglect. We see medical neglect. All of these things are happening, but we can't get anyone to take this field seriously because of the idea of, but they're religious people. This is religion. We can't touch religion. Religion is everything that's good in our society. And I'm not criticizing religion, but I am going to criticize any kind of group that uses their faith or anything to to hurt others and that's what we're seeing in so many different groups thank you Evan mm-hmm. that is very what? true and I would verify that like rampant sexual assault like as some of you know I did co-write a research study last year <laughs> wherein we um, ask sir, ask people um, did you experience CSA and this is specifically about child sexual abuse there were Amish Mennonite Anabaptist and other religious groups that participated. And I'm here to say that it happens inside of all religious groups. So when you say it's not my church, I'm here to tell you, it is your church. It is every church. There is no group of people that is exempt from it. It is all, all churches of them. Are bastards. And until, until, well, it's not even just churches. It's like, it does yeah. not matter. Wherever you get groups of people, child sexual abuse happens. Mm-hmm. Because there are always people that are committing crimes. And this happens around the world. It is not right. just one church. It is not just the Amish church. No, but I also, the, here's yeah. the thing too. I feel like it takes another group of people to enable that. Even if they aren't involved with it, it takes the other group to enable that. So if they aren't doing it, they're helping it happen still. So yep. it's like, how do you ever avoid that? Like yeah. by checking your your stereotypes. Yeah, checking your bias. So at the I door. wanted to talk about what about uh, gender? We like Evan, you'd brought it up a little bit earlier. Um, and so I'm many non-binary. I mm. go by they them, um, and a lot of that came from me like trying to break down gender and stuff and what i knew is that growing up in a religion because after like when i was deconverting it was a thing of trying to piece back together morals and stuff because like we were talking about it's a book but now you've got things outside of that book that you can look towards instead right like empathy like things that that can kind of transcend that and and bring you to better better judgments and everything um, so like I had this thing as, as being, um, assigned male at birth, it felt like I was raised to, to have this certain mindset to fit in this box. Mm. Um, and like to be dominant, I always had to be, you know, a dominant, assertive person and, uh, like 
this was something weird that I ran into the other day that I, I never really thought about. And I, I started thinking about it. I'm like, why, why does it feel so weird to compliment somebody? Mm. And it was because I got like this, this thing pushed on me that, that men can't complicate compliment each other. I was put on into this man box that said, you can't compliment other people. That's, that's gay. That's, you know, um, uh, they you'd get made fun of for all of that and like it didn't matter if you're transgender or whatever they don't think that far into anything you're either sinning or you aren't and it's kind of even in society that's how it was viewed it was just there was gay and straight like for the longest time that was just what it was uh and yeah so ignorant of shit um but yeah it it got made to where like compliments were sexualized almost so I have a question. Yeah. So, are you saying and are you talking about the box that far too often men are put into this box where it's like, you know, they're men and they have to be these big manly men and they have to conform to what the stereotyped idea of a man is. And right. they have to conduct themselves in a manner that meets the societal expectation of them yeah and what that means is that you know when when evan was talking about doing like crocheting like within the parameters right within the parameters that are being set you are being boxed into being this guy right and then they have i i don't know if your church did this but i really want to know if they did but they had this thing where they where they tell men uh, they tell men that you know they just have to fight their lusts right like they really don't have control over it if they yeah. accidentally rape somebody it was just because you know Satan yeah, was tempting them yeah or if they abuse their wife it's because the devil's in the no, house exactly or, and that's you the know thing. Like, like demon would... possession of the wife like so so the, where does that leave of... you this is kind of where I was getting at with all of that too, is like, it makes you feel like a fucking creep just for giving compliments, just for, just for like, if you were compliment a woman or a man or whatever, it just feels creepy all the way around. And it's hard to break through all that. You know, that's one of the struggles that I, it's, it's hard to, to put into words. Yeah. Thank you. for Ryan, that. I think you're, um, you're muted. Ryan, you're muted. Thank you. And I think sometimes as a woman or anybody, you probably feel if you're getting complimented, you might be like, oh, God, what do they want from me? Like, you, you're like, oh, yeah, it feels shit. like there's an ulterior motive behind <laughs> it at all times yeah. because those things have been sexualized. It's weird. Do you, do you feel dehumanized and objectified at the same time by it? Did you is that a possibility on the realm of feelings? Is that me or? Yeah, or you. <laughs> yeah. You, uh, yeah, it it yeah, it, it feels like I've been used that way and and uh, shoved into whatever society has made them feel comfortable putting me in rather than than who I am or or what I'm about. I, I like with your identity. Yeah, I'll tell you. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Please. Go ahead. Go ahead, Evan. I was just saying, say, wandering into this world, coming from 
a background where I was, you know, raised and lived as a woman in a very gendered structured world. Everything was based on your gender. The role you got to play in society was based on your gender. I never, you know, had any idea of hope or hope of being anything else. And then now being it's, it is very, I run into the compliment thing. Now, the more I pass as we call it, or the more masculine I present, the more I run into things where if I give someone a compliment, especially if it's another man, I get a weird look. And it's something that I'm I'm all of a sudden aware of. But it's just, it's so, it is a very different, it's very different to see how people are treated. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and I will say that in regards to the whole compliments thing, like for, for me, <laughs> I'm almost like, wait, what do you want from me? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what do you want from me? Why are you saying that? Oh, are you yeah. just being creepy? Like, what's really happening here? Yeah. Like, like because, like, and here's the other thing that I think, like, our perspective religions kind of did at some point in time or another. They taught us, or maybe it was our families. I don't know. But they taught us that when somebody compliments us, we should question it because they probably could be related to or tied to manipulation. Oh, damn. Gosh. What? I can't enjoy shit. I'm just saying, like, damn, like, so, <laughs> like, you can't, oh, like, I, don't even I, know mean, to, I don't even know what to say because, it, the, I don't know, it's just so it wild always, sometimes. It always reminds me of this quote about Puritans, but that can really be applied to any of these extreme faiths of, like, there, um, Puritans is the idea that someone somewhere is having fun and not being happy about it. Yeah. That's pretty much how it is. Anything that is fun, Christianity or these extreme fractions of these groups are constantly anything that might bring you joy in life is shut down if that joy is not expressly given to you by your leader, not even by God, by whatever leaders in control. They have to say that you can have joy that you can't or that you can't. I mean the the religion took i mean christianity took over a whole artwork movement doing that trying to take joy out of things the gothic <laughs> era of things you know like yes. right like damn it was purposely I mean, to just make people feel like shit about themselves so that they'd go into the church I mean, they had like, dark ages for you know what i mean because yeah. of their terrible ideologies we've it's Gosh. And I feel like we're we're headed that direction in this country. Like if we don't really start dragging our well, feet, we've already found another minority in. group to pinpoint to fucking blame right. everything on the trans. Yeah, they're trying to commit point. genocide. Uh, yeah, yeah. They Furthermore, are. yeah, they are trying. Yeah, that part I can't I can't talk about trans rights today because I would literally sit here and cry. So anyways. it's a lot. It's a lot. I we're um, all. I think we're all going through it right now. The frustration. Um, but let me let me segue into like I feel like this is a really good place to start talking about like if like anybody is experiencing some of these types of stereotypes, what kind of advice do y'all got for them? Can what I would give you give something? Sure. Can I give a little anecdote? Um, just because again, I was thinking about this subject since you told me about the show, and I was like, well, what do I know about stereotypes? Have I ever experienced this? Da, 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 da. So at work, <laughs> I used to work in a hospital. So I work with doctors and nurses all the time. And this one time, this is a bad experience. This one time, 
and I wasn't woken up at the time. A nurse was telling me um, an experience that she had. I don't know. I can't remember why she was telling me, but there was a customer service rep, a black woman who she was talking to. And she was trying to tell me about like, she was trying to present a stereotypical angry black woman to me. And I don't think she knew who I was. So she tried it. And, you know, I, again, like I'm, I don't know how to, I wasn't educated on any of these ideas, but she's saying, she's telling me her experience. She's like, you, you know, and she says to me, you know what I'm saying? Like when black women do A, B and C, but and I was like, no, what do you mean? And she was like, oh, well, she had this attitude with me. And I said, she works in customer service. And she said, yeah. And I said, oh, so do you like working in customer service? And she was like, no. And I said, right. I said, do you think it's a possibility that maybe she works in customer service and she has to deal with people all the time, giving her attitude and not respecting her parameters of her job? There's things she's unable to do for certain people because of her job description. Do you, do you think that maybe there's a possibility you're being judgmental? And I think she was like, as the color drained from her face, I think she realized that I wasn't the one. Like, I'm not the number one. I'm not the two. I ain't the three. So don't try me. Today's and not the day. Not this, tomorrow this either. What, this is what not yesterday. Do, is that like that stereotype gets applied to women as well in general. With and the anger. You know like, so it's like, how are you not able to like see that you're doing that in a different form? But it's the same thing. And it's the same exactly. illogical thinking behind it. Thank like. you. Thank you. Because if it had been a white woman, you, you'd probably just, oh, she was being a bitch. But it wouldn't have had anything to do with the stereotypical right. angry white woman, right? Because that's just not a stereotype. Yeah. That's not a, a, a Or a we wouldn't have talked about, the, we wouldn't have talked about the white woman tears. Well, no. if it's a, but here's the thing. <laughs> If it's, a white, if it's a white woman, it would still be that time of the month or something to that effect of it being, yeah, you know you, what I mean? You like probably find it's a way still around the same it. idiotic stuff behind it. That's but that's to, because of the stereotyping because of the white woman tears. Yeah. So what, That so is what literally what that is. So my advice, I guess, is if you come across that, what, like walk their ass through it and make them feel stupid. Like I made yeah. her feel stupid. I could see that I, I didn't know how to address it. Like I could have just, you're racist. And that would have went nowhere, right? <laughs> like it would have just, you're you can't a bigot. Tell people about themselves it, like it, that. Would not, it would not have worked. But this woman tried me. She thought she was going to find a confidant. She did not find a confidant. I, and if anything, she walked away feeling stupid that she said that shit to the wrong person. I feel like even if, even if you stand up and just say, you're a fucking bigot and leave, <laughs> like at least you've said something. Like at least it yeah. hasn't been. And, and maybe and enough right. times of that fucking person having that happen and somebody say, hey, you're a bigot and they leave. Like maybe enough people through their lifetime that'll happen and they'll finally realize, hey, I'm a bigot. Maybe I should do something about that. Like, you you don't know. And I feel like there's a certain amount of, like, uh, nihilism in in atheist communities and stuff that I've witnessed, too, that, that happens that way, that where they're like, oh, well, aren't going to change their minds anyway, so why even say anything? And it's like, because they aren't right. going to quit fucking saying anything. That's why. 
right. Because they were not up and they're influencing people outside of just them. Not even just that. How many people have been killed because of these kinds right. of stereotypes oh, and biases? And it's normalizing that shit by allowing that like, shit to just keep continuing to to go un unchecked or un. Yeah, like why why wouldn't you want to say something? Yeah. Thank you, Ryan. I feel I, like I mean, that I could that be a whole other. For me. Yeah. I feel like that could be a whole other. Uh, a panel discussion <laughs> it really Sorry. it really could or or should be i'd be more than welcome to come back for that okay we'll have to see about that because I, th I think like this conversation is really really great to have but i think it's really like like it's good to take an honest look at like what happened and what we learned and what we see and what we experience and how stereotyping and bias and discrimination is affecting all of that and our judgments on people right and how do we navigate the world after all of that and so oh. like um i just you just stay yeah. inside that's what i do mary <laughs> <laughs> i don't leave well, my house well um i i want to ask slew and evan if they have anything they would like to share with anybody who may be experiencing or deconstructing their stereotypes um for the people deconstructing their stereotypes, uh, oh. I guess it depends on which one. What? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my! With the religious stereotypes and everything, compared to gender stereotypes and all of that, I think. Yeah. I don't know. Evan, do you have something I, better? I, I, Let me come back to that. You know, I've, I've done a lot of work in this area because I had so many stereotypes and so many ideas. And, you know, it's important to learn in these high control groups, whatever you want to call them, a high control group, a cult, an abusive religious environment, um, an adverse religious environment, whatever term you use. Uh, the idea is that they take away our ability to think for ourselves. They tell us what to think. And when we leave, we, it's, we have to take the initiative to challenge beliefs ourselves. And we can only challenge that through new information. So they control the information that came in. We have to control it with the new information. I learned through history. So I started picking up books on history on all these different groups. That's how I learn. But whether you listen to a podcast or you join a group, go visit a temple of some other faith. If you, if you have, you know, fears or concerns, it, um, you know, I don't want to put any person in an, um, in an unsafe uh, position. So make sure you do your research before. If you need help finding an affirming place, you can reach out to the Vashi Initiative. We will help you find an affirming place. Um, or just try something new. If you don't know, read and learn about it. Put yourself out there um, because it, it really is. That's the thing about healing. Um, it's not my fault what happened to me, but it is on me to take charge of my healing. And so I can only do that by, again, adding new information, bringing new information in. Um, that's how I did it. Thank you. I, only thing I would add to that, I'd agree with all of it, but just like stay skeptical about things. Keep yes. uh, uh, an mm. open mindset, but at the same time, pay attention to the tools that you're using to actually come to the conclusions you're coming to, because those are the real important things that I've found. Like when it comes to actual morals or anything and ethics, I think it comes down to like the logic and reasoning you have behind those things and how you're 
processing those or implementing those in in the things around you um your epistemology is the most important thing um so yeah focusing on those things and and uh always trying to learn more and that's always a good thing to to implement whenever it comes to these especially when it comes to like trying to talk to people about this stuff because it's hard to it's hard to do yeah it is they're difficult conversations they're very difficult conversations and thank you evan and thank you slew and thank you ryan um i would echo what evan and and ryan and slew all shared but i would also like like to invite you to be curious and and part of what i what i mean when i say that is when we there is this thing called confirmation bias when we look for certain things that's what we're going to find and it's going to confirm our bias and when we look for a more open-minded approach we are open to receiving new information we can't be open to receiving new information if i say that for example all trans people are bad if i were to say that and i were to google trans people are bad i'm going to get confirmation bias excellent point okay but Mm -hmm. when i say be curious what i'm saying is and what i'm talking about is like taking an internal look at why am i doing this what am i doing and where did that belief come from why do i think that it's okay to go through the world and like tell people what to do or look at people and say that they're bad because for example they're trans because I'm here to tell you, trans people are people too. They are human beings. I, they are worthy of human fucking rights. And I had, you. the weird thing is, I had those bigoted thoughts and everything. Like, while I was still in religion, I thought those things, and here I am, you know, it's, I was thinking about myself or whatever, but it's like, it's weird to, to think about that. Uh, yeah, I, well. I had been out for almost two years. I was identifying as gay, but I, I was not ready to touch my, my gender identity at all. And I yeah. met this person who told me they were trans. And oh, man, the negative emotions that came up in with me. I was disgusted. I was repulsed. I was all those things. And in that moment, I had that choice to do exactly what you said, Mary. Lean into it and be like, why am I feeling this way? Or I could I could have backed up in that moment and said, forget this. I don't want to know anything about this. These people are wrong. And that's what I had always been taught to do. So instead, you lean into that discomfort. And, you know, I found a lot more about myself than I was expecting to. But it all came from leaning in. Learned a lot. What was weird was I started getting into, like, street epistemology and, like, questioning things. It's based in, like, Socratic method. And I started, like, getting into these different groups, atheist groups and stuff that were more diverse and everything. And I'm like, well... I keep seeing on the atheist experience for one, I was like, I keep seeing these, these people come on, they're talking about trans people and all of these rights and things and all that. And it's not making sense to me. And this was after I'd kind of initially come out of religion. It was just, I wasn't able to piece these things together because I had no idea that there was a difference between gender and biological sex or, you know, any of that. Me either. <laughs> and I'm like, and yeah, like you said, there's that thing of you can either, you can either start honestly questioning things and not from a biased perspective and trying to just humiliate somebody 
but from a, an actual, you know, honest perspective and figure out why, or you can just double down on your ignorance and like, just stay that way. But I, I'd, I'd finally decided, I'm like, okay, I'm going to just everything that I know or whatever, or that I think I know, I'm going to set to the side and I want to know where the evidence is for this stuff, because these are people that are supposed to be science-based, you know, uh, thinking and everything. What's going on here? And I went into just their Discord server, and I said, you know, and I, I was, like, so awkward about it. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm sure you guys get this all the time or whatever, but I'm just like, I honestly want to know what's up with this thing. What is there? There's a gender and sex or something or whatever, and why? Mm -hmm. what's going on here? And people came in and there was the nicest people in the fucking world came in and just explained it to me because I wasn't being a dick. I was honestly asking a question Slip. and I got honest feedback out of it. I will give and I you learned your something. honest <laughs> like, feedback. When you first came out to me as being non-binary, it was when you were so terrified and awkward. Oh, but yeah. I was honored to hold that for you. So thank you. That's awesome. And it I'm really glad you got to like experience yeah. like that feedback. And again, again, be curious, people. Y'all are human mm -hmm. beings worthy of human rights, and you get to choose how you want to live your lives. And your lives are things that should actually bring you joy and happiness in life. And you deserve happiness. And I want to thank all of our guests once again for the great conversation. We're going to see about maybe having one more of these because I really love this. Because I have questions now. I and, have more and questions. Exactly. Like it's wild, right? Like where? Yeah. I yeah. know I'm talking. I'm like, okay, I actually have more questions. Now I have now, more so. questions. Now I'm, yeah. I'm but yeah, that's that's part of me. It's like I I get curious, I ask questions, you know. Um, also, you know, sometimes you really need to go and and look up information um, rather than asking or or expecting somebody to answer it for you. So there is that. Regardless, thank you for being a part of this conversation. Thank you to our Patreon subscribers and the misfit Amish again and thank you again all of you for this fantastic time have a good Sunday